The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Does the 21st century require a new approach to leadership? This is a big question, and I am delighted that my guest today, Dr. Carol Pearson, is uh, someone who can really help us contemplate the answer to the question. As you may know, if you listened to some previous shows in the past couple of months, um, I'm one of the co-founders and co-directors of the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University, in addition to my role at NEBO, and we have been really working on developing a body of thought and practice around transformational leadership. I feel fortunate to be joined today by one of the world's foremost authorities on transformational leadership, Dr. Carol Pearson. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. Dr. Pearson is the author and editor of many books on topics related to uh, both leadership and psychology, including The Hero Within, Six Archetypes We Live By, The Hero and the Outlaw, Building Extraordinary Brands Through the Power of Archetype, and most recently, The Transforming Leader, New Approaches to Leadership for the 21st Century, which was a project supported by the Fetzer Institute. Um, Dr. Pearson has served as the director of the James McGregor Burns Academy of Leadership, professor of leadership studies at the University of Maryland, and also as the president of the Pacifica Graduate Institute in Santa Barbara, California. And Carol, um, you and I have been having many kinds of conversations, but I think today we're really going to focus on the work you've uh, recently been thinking about on transforming leadership. So I would love to um, to get started by asking us asking you to tell us a little bit about um, your own path and uh, you know your work your path is is a fascinating one um, both in terms of your scholarship and also the topics that have really uh, held your attention over over the past years and bringing you up to this topic of transforming leadership you know as you might know our audience is very interested in learning about uh, leadership, learning about vision, and thinking about how the world could be different and how we can help with that. So I would love it if you would just tell us your story and, and how you got to be doing this work in the first place. Um, okay. Uh, it, it Actually, I was thinking about that recently and aware that, like many people, I got interested initially um, in really social change and change. Um, which led me to leadership, and it actually started because I came from uh, a quite lovely family, um, but very conservative. Grew up in Texas, um, uh, spent a lot of time in a fairly fundamentalist church, and um, yeah, both the church and my family were very loving, 
and um, there was a, a wonderful family and a wonderful community of people who cared about one another. So there was a lot that was really good. On the other hand, I was being socialized to be um, a traditional woman and uh, to mainly care for others and and not necessarily to pay attention to what my own needs were or what my own aspirations were. And so by the time I was in graduate school, I was reading books that were awakening me in a new way. And particularly, I was reading Joseph Campbell, and he said, follow your bliss. Don't do what everybody else says you, did, says you should do. And I went, oh, that sounds kind of good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading... Um, Carl Jung and his work on psychology that talked about connecting the soul and the ego and um, listening to your inner voice and listening through your dreams, through your imaginations, in terms of what it is that you really want and what you're here to do um, in, a, in a sense of, of purpose in your life. Um, and that was awakening something in me. And um, much of my early work had, was motivated by Jung's idea of the archetypes. And what I got fascinated with was the idea that we could live archetypal stories. And again, this was my take on Jung's work. It's not exactly what he said. But archetypal stories are stories that exist in all times and places and in every, everybody's consciousness in some way. And what I began to realize about those stories is that when we live them, it helps us develop virtues that are related to being human. Um, for example, if you, um, if you live a warrior story, you become courageous, if you live it successfully. Um, if you live a sage story, you can become wise. If you live a love story, you can become intimate. Um, if you be, live a caregiver story, you can become compassionate and even being willing to sacrifice for others. And about the time that I was realizing all this, um, I got involved in the women's movement. And um, I was, at that time, I took a job as a professor at the University of Colorado, um, was asked, because I had written a little bit on women in literature, to run a women's studies program. And suddenly, um, I was propelled into being locally a feminist leader and an administrator as, as a leader, um, and at the same time, I felt very called to write about the way that women could be empowered by living various stories. Mm. I, now, I want to I want to I want to jump in right there, Carolyn, and, and and say, you know, as you're as you're telling your story, I'm curious, you know, if if you can identify the archetypes that you were you were actually living. Um. Yes, I could probably. <laughs> um, I was, you know, originally an innocent, um, just learning from my family and trusting them, and um, and then very much an explorer, finding out what uh, what was possible for me. Uh, I've actually used different words for that archetype in different books, mm-hmm. um, um, but it's exploring the world, seeing what's possible for you, seeing what's out there. Um, uh, exploring new ideas, that was really huge. Um, and, um, and of course, you know, as any young woman, a uh, lover, finding a mate, um, uh, also doing work I loved, being willing to follow 
my bliss in terms of my work. Mm-hmm. As I've as as I grew, I realized that the creator was a very important archetype for me. Living the creator story to create a life I wanted, to create books, um, to create programs. Uh, I love that process. I, I love uh, I love sitting down and having a vision of something and putting all the pieces together in a way that works um, and that makes you know that makes something beautiful. Uh, and uh, I got very intrigued with the magician archetype about the time that I wrote The Hero Within and then Awakening the Heroes Within um, because I was aware that there was a different, almost paradigm of thinking that it was not unrelated to traditional alchemy or shamanism where you actually recognize a deep interconnectedness of things and you recognize that you can shift what's happening by shifting your thoughts and your feelings um, as well as just what you do and I began to write about the possibilities of shifting our consciousness into making magic happen wow and and so I, I love to hear this story because you're doing such a great job of telling telling it to us almost through the explorer's eyes you know how one thing led to the next and and you began to sort of put some really interesting ideas together and and what how did that take you down the path of really looking at leadership um well there was the fact that i was in leadership um and that was part of it but um there was another piece as the hero then got fairly popular i was asked to do a, a work in um in corporate america and nonprofits quite a bit to particularly team building or working with people and developing them and around the archetypes um, also understanding archetypes in organizational culture and in groups uh, in the stories that were lived collectively and as i did this work i realized that we could only go so far developing individual people because i could see people who had done so much work on themselves and were so wise, but they were literally starting to be cramped <laughs> by um, the place that they worked where, where they couldn't bring all that they were to that environment. And mm-hmm. I realized that unless we could open up our environments to, to really harvest the full gifts that people were bringing and the wisdom that they were bringing, I mean, uh, at that time, I had a colleague, uh, Douglas LeBeer. I haven't seen him in years, but he wrote a book called Modern Madness. And he had been doing employee assistance work, and he found out that often the people showing symptoms in an organization were the healthiest people because um, hmm. they were the people who couldn't bear what was going on. Interesting. And, and actually, in some organizations, the most pathological people rose to the top. Um, now that's not true of every organization, but I realized that we're when I, what I saw in this, and I think in the world we're getting to recognize this more and more, is that we're not islands all by ourselves. We can't just develop ourselves and then magically things happen. There is magic, but we're always part of a collective, and we're being influenced by that collective in terms of what we're likely even to say or bring to the table. And it's, that's largely an unconscious process unless we make it conscious. And that in order to fully maximize ourselves, we have to uh, 
change our institutions. I see. So you're, you, it sounds like as you looked at this knowledge and thought about leadership, you really saw the individual in the system and then the, the group, or, you know, this, this, this sort of group consciousness as well and the need to work with the whole instead of just the individuals or maybe in addition to the individuals. Um, and you know, I know we're going to take a break in just a minute, but I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this progression, and I wonder, um, what what did you learn through that work that you were doing that really took you to um, to the point of studying transformation as a specific idea? Um, well, I was I took a job as the director of the James McGregor Burns Academy of Leadership, <laughs> and Jim Burns um, is the person who coined the phrase uh, transformational leadership and made it famous. Um, and he, by the way, is an amazing man. It was lovely to work with him. Um, he evidenced every quality of a transformational leadership you could imagine besides being just a gracious human being. Lovely, lovely man. And he, he, it was his definition. I was very impressed by his definition, which is transformational leadership is leadership that results in major change, structural change, um, that is has a positive impact impact on the world and also elevates the people who are involved in it. He uses often the example of the civil rights movement as one case in point, and he contrasts that to trans, uh, transactional leadership, which is basically I'll scratch my back, yeah, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Um, although transformational leaders, he says, can use um, transactional approaches. Uh, mm-hmm. Which you see, you know, you see that in the movie Lincoln, where Lincoln is doing something transformational to end slavery, but he uses everything he can use to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but in truth, what what Jim Burns did for me is to give me a language that described what I've been fascinated with all along. Um, in my in my. Um, the church I grew up in, uh, one of the things that was really big is conversion, and I saw people whose lives were changed very quickly. And then um, in the women's movement, I found people who, I mean, I remember I read Betty Friedan's book, The Feminine Mystique, and my life changed. And I got interested in the quality of, of the various kinds of ways, most of them secular entirely, um, where our attitudes can change very quickly, um, uh, even though there may have been many things earlier that led up to that kind of change. So the idea of of looking at transformational leadership is something that I think I had all along. I see. You know, um, Carol, we're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, I'd like to really pick right up where we're leaving off. This is Kate Ebner. My guest is Dr. Carol Pearson, and we're talking about transformational leadership. We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? 
The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for information purposes only. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email... Please send it to VisionaryLeader at NeboCompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate Ebner, and today I'm joined by Dr. Carol Pearson, author of The Transforming Leader, New Approaches to Leadership for the 21st Century. We were talking about Carol's own journey and and her, um, I, I don't know, through the archetype of creator, really the development of a body of work related to transformational leadership and, you know, Carol, before the break, you were really talking about, you know, how, you know, you first began to really work with this at an individual level and then began to look at groups and the effect of more the collective on what what happens in the workplace. Um, what happened next in your story? Um, well, I think what I'll talk about is, is, is um, some of the things I've actually written about because that's a way of organizing it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I I moved from, I mean, what I didn't say in the earlier part is with this sense of the individual and the collective, I think of leaders as the connector between them because the, a leader, a good leader has to understand the larger picture and the individuals involved to the degree that, um, it, you know, that they're close enough that you can know the individuals. But if it's, you know, if you're president of the United States, you need to know what's going on with the people. Mm-hmm. Um and so leaders actually are the link. They're like the bridge between all of this. And, um, so I got much more interested then in understanding leadership in that way. But to do that, I needed to understand organizations in a way that was congruent with the Jungian frame that I bring to, uh, uh, that I had brought. And that's not as much true in the transforming leader, but that I was bringing. Um, to leadership. And so I wrote a book um, with a colleague um, called Mapping the Organizational Psyche, which is really looking at the issue of culture. And um, everybody knows that, or everybody in the organizational development field anyway, knows that most change efforts fail. And they don't really know why, um, but they almost everybody agrees it has something to do with culture. 
so what I what I came to understand is that we could understand culture if we understood the story that people were collectively living. Um, for example, Apple computers always lived a um, revolutionary story. And when they haven't, for example, when Steve Jobs first left, they've tanked um, because that's the sacred story of the place. Um, it's radical innovation, um, and it used to be also power to the people a bit um, in their initial uh, initial ads particularly, but also in their corporate culture. And so um, I created, I wrote a book about that with John Corlett and then another book um, with Margaret Mark called The Hero and the Outlaw, Building Extraordinary Brands Through the Power of Archetypes. And this took the idea of culture, organizational culture, and um, looked at it in terms of what if you got to know the values of your culture that you could express through the story people are collectively living together. And that's what you put out to the world. And what that means is that helps you reinforce being true to your values while it also calls the people to you that want what you have. Um, and uh, that that actually has gotten a good bit of attention, and is, um, as many of my books are translated all over the world, because mm-hmm. it's also a way, since archetypes are um, deeper than culture, it's a way that uh, a large global company can um, can be true to a particular culture and tweak it for the various um, uh, the various regions that it's in and their cultural values. Um, anyway, so that, uh, and then <laughs> from that, I actually, um, that's really fun work, by the way, and, and out of that I created an instrument that could um, that could assess organizational culture, which is now um, being owned by Conexa, which is a big HR firm, mm-hmm. uh, which is using it not for branding, but for how to how to understand your culture well enough to recruit people who are going to like it there and retain people. And they're being very successful in doing that um, as well. So, um, And then I did a small thing, which was really fun, um, for the Fetzer Institute, which was a pamphlet called Maturing the American Dream, which was taking this approach to understand our country and what archetypal energies are at play and where the tensions are and where the tensions are between the political parties, which was fun. And and is that what led you to the um, the actual book, The Transforming Leader? Well, partly it. It, it was um, related to my connection with the Fetzer Institute. But um, I the, the initial impetus for The Transforming Leader came from my students at the University of Maryland. I was teaching an example. Uh, and, exec- and executive programs in the public policy school. And it was, that was enormously fun. Um, and we had students from the military and um, government and corporate America and education, um, variety of places. And what they were telling me in our discussions is that much of what they were reading in leadership literature was too simple. And it wasn't at all, you know, it didn't help them with what they were actually faced with. And we started talking about how, you know, George Bush came to the presidency and um, with all kinds of ideas about what he was going to do. 
and um, and then he got hit with 9/11, which is exactly what he didn't expect and didn't, you know, he was never an expert on foreign policy, even though his father was. And, um, and you know, and one of the things that have ended up happening is he did with what most of us do in a situation where we're blindsided, which he acted based on an analysis he'd already done in another situation about Iraq. Um, and similarly, um, Obama um, came into office, uh, and he had an agenda of what he wanted to do. He had a vision. You know, what what we tell people about leadership is you should have a vision, and then you should sell it, and then you should, um, or this is the traditional idea, you should have a vision, you should sell it, and then you should have a strategic plan and implement it. Well, um, Obama came in also with an agenda, and he got hit with a financial meltdown before he was even in office, which was not his strength. And uh, um, what um, what I've been what I was hearing from my students is this is happening to them that because partly because of global interdependence, um, the fast rate of change that is going on, the difficulty of predicting anything, um, they they couldn't utilize those ideas. Um, for example, uh, people in the military who are saying, you know, we have battle plans, but now we're supposed to actually go into Iraq or Afghanistan, and while we're killing people, um, get the local people to love us. And exactly how do we do that? Um, some of the corporate people were saying, you know, right now we have global com- companies. Our parts for things are being made in different parts of the globe. Um, they're being assembled at a different part of the globe. Anytime there's a coup, a, nat- a natural disaster, anything, it disrupts everything for us. And we can't predict it. Um, uh, uh, we had... Um, uh, we had Edu- educators who were mainly um, mainly talking about the fact that the changes in accreditation, um, the changes in uh, the economic situation in the country, suddenly decreasing their enrollments and what do they do? So there was a recognition that something is really different, and and we need to catch up with what that is and what and we do. Let me just jump in for a second, Carol. And it, it sounds like the, the, the sort of big observation is that um, leaders who are doing their best or have best of intention, best plans, et cetera, are often blindsided by something that they are unprepared for, didn't see coming, or that um, doesn't fit with the situation in which they expected to find themselves and that they need to understand what to do when that happens. Right, and they also need to respond quickly when they don't have all the information or a good analysis yet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and um, for in some of these situations, people's lives are at stake. Wow. And so these graduate students at the University of Maryland really um, sparked your thinking about this, it sounds like, um, and and... And is that what took you in this direction? Yeah, that's what um, uh, took me in this direction. It started really simply. I was taking walks with a colleague, Judy Brown, and uh, a colleague from the University of Maryland, lovely, brilliant woman. 
and we were walking around our neighborhood, and we kept talking about this, and what, and that somebody ought to do something about it. And then it occurred to us that maybe we were the ones that should do something about it. Wow. In terms of really harvesting, we knew that there were people who were being very successful and having transformational impacts. And so we came up with the idea that it would be really fun to get some of those people together and in dialogue and have them just talk about how they did it. Um, and so we talked to the Fetzer Institute, which is this rather amazing place. Uh, the Fetzer Institute has a mission of promoting love and forgiveness in the world, which I think is really lovely. Um, they're also very sophisticated people, and what that tr- translates to is often um, supporting efforts for peace or ending hunger or doing the things that show love and forgiveness in action. Um, and so I had we had a chat with them. They, um, they knew both of our work from other uh, situations. Mm-hmm. And we put together a project that was uh, jointly sponsored by the Fetzer Institute, which is an operating foundation. So they don't just um, give you money. They help you run the project. And uh, the International Leadership Association, which um, uh, was part of the Burns Academy that I led and the Burns Academy. Um, and so we had a th- three years of um, dialogue, um, and we... We brought together leaders who were doing transformational things and um, also educators who were educating people about how to do that, which could include coaches and consultants, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and scholars who were writing about it. And it was, um, it was really an amazing experience to talk with those people. And yes. the Fetzer Institute is a wonderful environment to do that They. First of all, it's um, a gorgeous building in nature, and um, everybody is kind. Um, and we set it up so that to try to move people out of out of kind of ego sharing into soul sharing. And yes. To do that, Mark Nepo, the poet, was one of the program officers there at the time, and he'd read his poems. And um, and then Michael Jones would play the piano, and and what we found out is that was lovely and wonderful, but we didn't need we didn't need to do that. The people that we were calling together weren't coming from an ego place; they were coming from a place of service. That's amazing. You know, Carol, we're going to take another break right now. Time is flying here. When we come back, I want to hear more about how this all happened. It really sounds like a transformational process. This is Kate Abner. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and we'll be right back. Which guests are being featured this week? Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. 
For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's one 1- 866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back once again. You know, my guest, Dr. Carol Pearson, and I are having a conversation this morning about transforming leadership, about which she has written and is one of the I think really one of the leading thinkers um, in, of our times and has this, you know, a, a wonderful stories about transformative thinkers who came together to really create this book, The Transforming Leader, and it sounds like it was really a, an incredible process. Um, Carol, before the break, you were just telling telling us a little bit about how that happened. Um, I would just love for you to just complete that story, and then let's talk more about the kinds of traits that are needed today, why transforming leadership even matters. But let's let's finish the story you were telling us. It was great to hear. Well, what I might do is just tell you about a couple of a couple of examples of people who were there, because part of it really was that they, these are people who come from a sense of deep service. They weren't just out there to be, you know, I'm a cool leader. <laughs> I want to do something important or make a lot of money or, you know, not that some of them did make a lot of money, but that wasn't, that wasn't the point. And, um, just a couple of examples, uh, there was one psychologist who had been concerned about people, poverty in the world, and I don't know if he had his own money or whether he got a grant, but he started walking, taking walks in the field with people who live on less than one dollar a day in the world. And he started coming up with inventions that would could be created for less than three dollars. That could move him out of grinding poverty into um, sustainable living. Um, there was a, an executive of uh, in the auto industry who um, was going along, being very successful, and um, the auto company was going to buy and u- utilize green space in his town that he loved. And he ended up um, fighting his his own company <laughs> nicely um, uh, to save the green space. And out of that, he uh, he um, uh, got really awakened to the environmental challenge that we have for us, and uh, ended up going into the field of developing hybrid cars and alternative kinds of transportation. Um, there's a community organizer from Canada who started out transforming, successfully transforming communities by getting everybody to agree to change 10% uh, as, as opposed to trying to get other people to change. 
and ended up getting whole provinces to create poverty alleviation plans, which I just thought was amazing. There were people who were working to help um, in Rwanda, people recover from genocide, the experience of genocide, and people who um, worked in South Africa uh, trying to make the end of apartheid work. And then more typical people like a college president who came into a situation with terrible morale and transformed the culture and therefore the success of the institution. This is the kind of people who were there with us talking. Very inspiring to to hear. Um, And so when we're imagining them, you know, sitting together and thinking about what they did, there must have just been enormous wisdom unleashed in that conversation. Yes. So I wonder, you know, you know, we, we, you and I have talked a bit about this idea of the 21st century, Carol, and the, and the, you know, the realization that I think so many people are having around the world that these times are unprecedented and a new kind, new, new qualities of leadership, new approaches to leadership, new behaviors, um, are, are needed in order to actually, um, prepare ourselves for the future to actually create the future that we want and you know and uh, as i say that i'm i'm aware of the the complexity of of what i'm trying to get at but i I wanted to ask you you know what is it that you think is needed in 21st century leadership well the main point of the the transforming leaders is really three things um one we have to update our thinking uh um, in really new paradigm ways. And um, the second is to just how we think about things needs to change. Um, the second thing is that we just can't come from the old ego-centered, just rationality way. We have to be able to connect with our full capacities. And that means to be in connect, to really listen to our, what our soul says as well as what our ego says. Um, what our heart says as well as what our mind says, um, to be find some kind of way to connect with the unconscious because the unconscious takes in a much more information than the conscious mind can do. Um, and the third way is, and the third part is that we, we need to learn from one another. Um, there's no possible way that any one individual can understand the complexity of situations today. And um, if we pretend we do, what we're going to do is be defended against what other people see as counter views. Um, you can see that right now with um, what's happening in, the, in, in politics, that we have political parties that are invested as is natural in particular points of view. Um, but in order to solve problems before us, which are huge problems, um, they would really need to step out of those points of view and to say, hey, let's look at the challenges before us and who knows what about what we can do. Um, and, you know, if we could get those three pieces together, I think mm-hmm. uh, we would be in good shape for transforming not only leadership but the world. So really, just to say them back for those listening, the first one was update our thinking to really uh, grasp this new paradigm. And I want to ask you in just a second to, to say a little bit more about what that paradigm really is. Two is to connect with our full capacities to solve our problems from heart, from soul, from 
you know, mind and body, not just from mind, and to really be able to tap the power of the unconscious, I heard you say. And then thirdly, to learn from one another and to to share what we know and also to seek others who know what we're trying to learn. And so those three big ideas are what's needed um, for 21st century leaders to do. Um, I, I said a moment ago that I wanted to ask you if you could describe the new paradigm for us, I think that would be very helpful. I think we, I think everyone senses it. It's kind of like when you're, you know, that metaphor about feeling the elephant's knee and thinking, you know, what is this, you know, but not being able to see the whole elephant. So can you describe what that new paradigm is? Yeah. Well, maybe I can describe pieces of it, um, uh, in, in new thinking that is, um, out there. Uh, I mean, I'd start with chaos theory, you know, and chaos and complexity theory. Um, you know, in chaos theory, there's no top and there's no bottom. There's no center. There's no periphery. Um, change can start from anywhere. Um, the famous thing that people talk about is the butterfly effect, that the, the fluttering of a butterfly flies wings in Tokyo affects the weather in New York. And it really, that new thinking suggests that sitting back in an armchair and saying, you know, what can I do, you know, the powers that be are stupid or whatever it is, that, that, that's all thinking that it's the powerful people that control things. Um, or I'm not the center, I'm a marginal person, I'm you know, I'm not I'm not the norm. Um, you know, and I'm thinking that most of the people who were at the uh who who were at those dialogues were people who just started where they were. And it made me think about uh um uh Muhammad Yunus starting the Grameen Bank. He's he's going by a poor neighborhood. He realizes if people had three dollars or five dollars, they could build capital to do something, uh, like buy needles and thread and start a sewing business. Um, and instead of just saying what a shame that no bank would lend it to them, uh, he pulled uh, some money out of his pocket and started, you know, and started lending it to people and built a bank. Um, I'm also aware in social movements, um, you think about the, the change in attitudes now towards um, uh, gay marriage or even gay rights. It started with people having the courage to, to, to come out and to face ostracism potentially. Um, and we're seeing the impact that that has even on, on people who are, you know, family members who come out uh, and very and change the attitude of very conservative parents. Um, it starts, you know, the transformational thinking says change starts anywhere. Start where you are. Yet another kind of transformational thinking, which is part of the paradigm, and it, the only way I can do the paradigm is to is to really do the parts, is um, comes from appreciative inquiry and positive psychology. Um, go. Don't focus on the problem as much. Recognize the problem. Don't go into denial. But always think, what is the vision? What is it I want? What is, what is it I really desire? And that can be, you know, from um, as president, sometimes a faculty member or a staff member would come in and I'd be really mad at them <laughs> by what they were doing. And, and, uh, but I'd have to think. Uh, what do I really desire? Well, I really desire to work really well with this person and have them be a positive influence on what happens. And that has to change what I do, not just how I think. Um, That's great, Carol. We have just one more minute. Are there a couple more examples, a couple more parts? Well, I'll give one more. Um, social networking theory. Um, it used to be the idea that the, um, that the uh, leader 
would just come up with a vision and sell it. Um, but now, if part of this idea that's linked with chaos theory is you're in a social network and the people are being, you can't just tell people what to do because they may do it, but they'll become passive-aggressive. And the, in terms of social networks, there are, there are key nodes of people who are influencing other people. And to engage, engage the people who influence other people in decision-making and understanding the needs of the whole, be an educator so that the people who influence other people understand the big picture that you are seeing. Um, and it is the way to, over time, impact a system. You know, that's a, that's a great example, a very, um, uh, you know, modern perspective, I think, to bring to us. And, you know, we're going to take a break right now. And, um, you know, I want to just say for those listening that um, the book that Carol edited, The Transforming Leader, New Approaches to Leadership for the 21st Century, is a collection of essays by the thought leaders who gathered um, uh, to have the conversations Carol was describing. I highly recommend it to you. If you're really intrigued and want to learn more, definitely check that out. We'll give you more information about how to find that when we come back. This is Kate Ebner, Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate. I'm talking with Dr. Carol Pearson. She is a writer an educator, and a leadership scholar, and we've been talking about transformative leadership. Transforming leadership is the name of the book. Um, And we were talking about some of the elements of the new paradigm in which we are all living and and must grasp in order to to bring um, the the skills, the capacities that are needed to be effective today, uh, right before the break. Carol, you know, we, this is of course a show called Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life and listening to you today, it's clear that, um, that you really see something that's beneficial for us to see as well. And I wonder if you would like to share your vision for the future and the future of leadership with our listeners. 
Um, yes, that would be a great privilege, actually. <laughs> I think the future of um, uh, visionary leadership actually starts in schools and with parents, um, with uh, helping and with neuroscience. Um, what's happening in neuroscience right now in terms of brain plasticity and the capacity for, for uh, brains to be awakened and change, we could, we could for one thing, um, have all our children succeed, and we could help, um, and we could also stop focusing so much on who are the bright ones and who are the dumb ones and to helping them find their gifts and have the confidence to bring their gifts, even if they don't have a lot of other things. When none of us are, none of us have everything, we all have something. And developing that, that capability and, um, also developing cognitive intelligence, the capacity to, um, understand not only one's own point of view and be centered in oneself, but also really empathize with people who think differently and how, why they might think that way and the needs of whole systems so that uh, we begin to develop the capacity for thinking complexly enough for the times that we're in and to solve the, the times that we're in, as well as building capacity for um, taking an affirmative approach, a positive approach to, to um, immediately thinking, okay, how do we put the pieces together? And how do we solve a problem? Um, the the vision I have is a world in which more people, fewer people, and maybe no people, um, are held back by grinding poverty or by a lack of any kind of education, and that our social systems are designed to really utilize the full potential of everyone. We have uh, so much potential with uh, our incredible technology to harvest the intelligence of large groups of people, as well as softer technologies on how to have dialogue that works where people say what they really think and in a, in a positive way. Um, and, you know, and I think that it is leadership that can do this and that helps people, inspires people to come from their better angels. Um, in in working together to create a world that is good for each of us as an individual, but also recognizing that for us, for it to work for us, really, it has to work for the collective. Um, otherwise, uh, otherwise things deteriorate and they're bad for each one of us as well. Um, you know, I, I, is that? Uh, do you want more than that? Or <laughs> you are on a roll, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's beautiful. I mean, I, I love your last line, what you just said. For it to work for us, it has to work for the collective, not just for the individual. And it's really, um, your vision is really a vision about connecting people with, um, with, with their own potential for the sake of a, a better world, a world with less poverty and, and, and the kinds of social problems and, and environmental problems, it sounds like, that really are, um, are crippling for us all. So, I mean, it's really quite inspiring to hear you talk about that. You said, once again, Carol, so much. I mean, one of the things you just said is that um, we need to develop the capacity to, to think as leaders within this complexity. You know, in other words, not to hide from the complexity or feel overwhelmed or put our heads in the sand, but actually to to learn to kind of ride the waves of this new paradigm 
in which we're we're living and working. And so I want to say thank you. That was really inspiring. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I wonder, you know, we have, of course, less time than we would like, but I would like to ask, you know, for those people who are listening, um, our listeners, you know, we're really getting, I think, access to some very important ideas today, and, and this is rich conversation we're having. Um, Carol, in case somebody's out there new to this and is thinking of, okay, a new paradigm, uh, okay, I, I need to develop my capacity and, and actually connect with my full capacity, where does somebody start? And we ha- only have about three minutes, but can you give some advice for somebody who really wants to incorporate a more transforming leadership style into their own approach? Uh, yeah, I would say the first thing to do is get in touch with you really, what you really want. Um, in, in the best of you, what, what do you really want and um, in the world? And stop just assuming that you can't, it can't happen. And to think, start with being honest about what your wishes are. Uh, most of us spend a lot of time on our complaints, and that's not bad to, pen, to know what we don't like. But the other side of a don't like is always a do want. And get in touch with those deeper desires. My daughter, uh, my daughter once ran a needle exchange program, and she even found that asking heroin addicts, what do you really want in your life, led them um, to go into treatment programs. Just that. What do we really want? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and face that, and what do, what do I want on a deep level? And where is my behavior where is my behavior congruent and not create, uh, not congruent with what it is that I really believe and want? And then learning to speak to others about that in a respectful way, understanding that I statement, you know, understanding that other people have see things you don't see with curiosity, with genuine curiosity. Why does somebody else see it differently than I do? Um, and then there's a wonderful um, essay by. Uh, Zachary Green in this essay about moving to a third story, which I just love, which is when we're in dialogue with somebody and we disagree, we can, we're like in a warrior story. We're fighting with each other very often. And what, what, what is the overarching story you could tell about us being together? He uses the example of, um, Israeli and Palestinian women who created something called the Women in Black, who, um, what they have in common is they all lost somebody in the war. And uh, they have a story of grieving and wanting war to end um, rather than seeing enemies. And I think that finding that third story of how do we make meaning of what is happening to us that provides um, provides a new, a, a new way of dealing with the situation, a new option, um, particularly when we're feeling really trapped. Carol, we only have another minute, but tell tell us where can people go to get a copy of your book to learn more about you and your work and maybe to, to follow some of what you're doing and thinking about. Where should they go? Well, The Transforming Leader is available from uh, Barrett Kohler, which is a wonderful um, publisher. It's available as, e- as an e-book. Um, it's available in print form, and it's starting to be translated in a number of languages, so... Um, you know, find out if you're in another country. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's available in all the normal places like Amazon as well. And I have a website, uh, www.herowithin.com, 
um, based on my work on the hero's journey. And uh, uh, that's a good place to start. And what I would also just invite listeners to think about is transformative leaders. Transformative leadership is a hero's journey. It is really about a journey to make a difference in the world um, and, to, and to be willing to change as you go along in order to, be trans- to transform the world. We have to transform ourselves. And that's a dialogical process that continues the, um, for the whole journey. That's a real invitation. Thank you so much, Dr. Carol Pearson. This is Kate Ebner. You've been listening to Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.